right, the following episode of the podcast is sponsored by Spreaker. If you want to start podcasting and monetizing your podcast, you can sign up for a free trial of Spreaker. The link's in the description down below. And Spreaker distributes your podcast to multiple podcasting platforms. So how I, uh, you noticed I was drinking beer before we started today's show. I thought I'd do something. I've got a light beer today. I haven't had beer oh, for nice. a while. I went to the no, pub this great. week and I had a great Northern as well. Oh, so, you yeah. actually went to a pub. Like that's, that's a mm. new kind of, <laughs> a new yeah. concept. Yeah, no, it's, um, we're our, um, the restaurants and bars have just opened up. We're opening up fully, um, by the beginning of January, uh, sorry, July. And, um, yeah, I was just saying the beer thing in Australia, I just know beer, but in, uh, in Austria, it's just like in Germany, like Oktoberfest and they're just grabbing these massive jugs of beer and they just passing them around in the beer gardens. And yeah, you think, okay, I'm never going to drink and never get through this. It's just too massive. It's a liter of beer. And oh, just one liter. And, yeah. Yeah. Easily. And you go another, <laughs> and it's it just because it's um, well the beer here is really delicious. So what can I say? But um, but having said that, I haven't had a beer for oh boy, it must be over a year now. So it's the sort of thing I don't drink at home. So um, mm. I go out and drink maybe a beer on a summery day, yeah. and uh, that there hasn't been that opportunity. But, yeah, um, Oktoberfest. I'd I'd love to go to Oktoberfest. Uh, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, it's fun. No, it's it's is. It's very fun. Um, you, the the fun part is that you see people acting. Um, they don't act really bad most of the time, but they're just all dressed up in their folk outfits. You know, their um, lederhosen and their dendel, and they do this both in Austria and in Germany. Yeah. And people are just really happy, and it's a sort of a family thing. I mean, of course, if people get drunk, and that can be stupid, but um, the music's great. You know, they have parades and and all sorts of fun things, um, and it's a good time of year to be drinking outdoors because it's a little bit chilly, but the alcohol kind of keeps the edge off, and it's mm. a really nice time to be in Europe. Also, October is a, a really nice season. Oh, I'd love to go to Europe, Elizabeth. It's my dream place to go to Amsterdam yes. in the future. Apparently, you um, can um, buy marijuana there. Yes, uh, <laughs> there's always there's always a um, a catch. Um, oh. you can buy yeah, you can buy it there if you're a resident, mm. um, and then you can get somebody to buy it for you. You know, um, there's ways around it, but I mean, it's it's not it's. I mean, yeah, but in Australia you can grow it, so yeah, not really. You, but you know, you you can grow it. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Like some states of the U.S. have legalized it. You can actually go and buy it, but you just can't yeah. deal it. Now in Australia, they, they only for uh, medical use, but yet yeah. alcohol uh, does more damage than marijuana. Well, I don't know. I'm not uh, a doctor. Yes, but. absolutely. You are <clears throat> spot on there, and um, it's partly because it's such a long-term damaging thing, mm. um, partly because it's, um, it's accumulative in a different way than marijuana and addictive in a different way, but also it's legal, so it's part of your life. If you have a celebration, you have champagne, you know. Well, cigarettes um, are, are, are twice as deadly, and they, all the crap and chemicals they put in that yeah. stuff. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the t tobacco industry is um, has a lot to answer for as well as the alcohol industry, and yeah, it's it's such a silly thing to have these illegal drugs when they could be 
used, I mean, they can be used for medicinal purposes um, yes. and they they don't do as much harm and they don't create the same effect of, like with alcohol, of the aggression. Um, I mean, so much domestic abuse is caused from alcohol-induced aggression and you just don't hear of somebody saying, oh, they were really high and then they bashed up their wife or their child. Um, you, but you hear, oh, look, she was just so drunk and she just lashed out. You hear that all the time, like the idea of aggression with alcohol, but you don't hear that with marijuana. Is marijuana so, yeah, I'm, I'm um, legal in Vienna? It's not legal, but it's pretty much <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, if you want it, you can get it. Um, and I think there are small amounts that you're allowed to get. Um, they can also, it's it's really interesting because we have places where they, their shops where they sell uh, marijuana, big, mm. like supermarket, like hydroponic um, wow. set, setups. Um, but it's a very, it's a very low, it's for THC free kind of medicinal things. Um, but yeah, but it's it's not. I don't. I can't really say exactly what the rules are at the moment because I don't smoke it or, or take it or anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But um, it's not. It's not as. It's not as illegal, you know, as in um, some places. And Amsterdam is famous for it be going. You can go in if you're with a friend who lives there. You can go in and just yeah, take some couple of cookies or whatever. However you want to take it. Um, but Amsterdam has far more than just marijuana, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's I've a never... fabulous city. <clears throat> I've never you know, been the there. Draw, the only drawback with Amsterdam at mm. all, because I think it's one of the most magical, wonderful, creative... I always feel very vibrant when I'm there. Um, and all the things that I, I've only gone there for, like, mainly for gigs and things. So it's usually work-related. Um, so I haven't been for a holiday, really. Maybe one holiday. The only downfall is the weather. It's really humid, muggy, um, bleak. Um, it's yeah, and it's that that marshy because it's basically you know reclaimed water, land, um, or swamp. That's the only downfall, and it's sometimes that gets on your nerves. And but the I, rest is fabulous. I thought it would get cold in the winter. Yeah, yeah, freezing cold, and then it suddenly gets muggy. It's like cold and humid. That's all you've got. <laughs> Those yeah. two things. I mean, Sydney can be humid too. But are we talking mm. humid like the Northern Territory sort of humid or, or is it? Um, no, it's it's a different one because it's attached with pollution as well. Mm. So it's smelly and um, there's no breeze. Um, it's, yeah, it's a, we actually, um, Vienna's like that today. It's, we, we're going to approach 34 degrees today. And right now it's probably about 26 and it's humid. You can, the air feels like it's, you know, like you walk out of the airport in Singapore and <laughs> it kind of feels like that. So, but Amsterdam and Holland in general gets that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, I suppose all European cities in summer are humid, um, but, the, and they're just as humid as, say anywhere in the world nowadays because of the climate warming um but or climate change but it's um it doesn't last that long we have a couple of months of it you know so that's we sort of all live through it <laughs> you think climate change is bullshit um no i think climate change actually is happening um but it doesn't mean that we're necessarily uh influencing or able to control it. I think, yeah, you know, that's yeah. obviously the dinosaurs lived in a different climate than, than our climate today. Um, and it will be, you know, in whatever, five million, five billion years is, I can't remember what it is, it's when the human race is supposed to die out, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's in the future. We don't have to worry about it so much. Um, but the climate will be definitely different then. So I think um, the whole concept of, climate change and what what humans i mean there's a the whole the word is charged politically and it's charged culturally too because when you're trying to earn money 
um, and you really, really want, like, you know, as a musician or an artist or whatever, um, you're not thinking climate change first. Mm. So um, the only people that think climate change first are people who are involved in trying to advocate for better, a better world or better place. And even they don't think climate change first. They think, how can we get the politicians to listen to us? How can we get the money to raise um, these, to you know, get the money to send out this message? So it's always about money, it's about politics, about, it's about all these other things. And um, if people actually did really care about climate change, then they would do personal things differently. So they wouldn't travel. They wouldn't, um, they wouldn't eat food that has been processed outside their country, which means many people would die, mm. um, or not appropriate. Um, they wouldn't have pets because they're pollutants and, and they cause um, a lot of problems with pollution and uh, in the sewage. Um, what else? They wouldn't buy glitter. <laughs> um, and all the all the new technology is using up so much electricity. Um, this so-called paper-free society is using an enormous amount of energy, and that energy comes from burning coal or burning, you know, fossil fuels. Um, yeah, and we'd all have a different way of life if we really, really thought that it was going to make a difference in the world. How do you, how do you, Elizabeth? How do you feel about the paper-free society? Well, it's an interesting one because um, I've always liked the look and feel of paper, and mm. as an artist, I love it. And as a as a um, composing notes and things, that looking at a blank page and then writing on it, the physical act, to me, I find is is um, is part of the creative process. So now, using a screen, you know, you go onto Finale or you go onto your um, photo kind of or graphic design program and uh, yeah it's it's a totally different experience and I think that that part of it is um, in some ways it's funny because that can be very quick you can do so much so much quicker you don't have to hand write things out but in the end what do you do you print out the page to see if you've really got it right I mean oh, I don't got... know whether you do that but I print oh, it out oh, just to make sure but as experience goes on, I can just do it on the computer and I can tell if it's right or not with my Dorico software. But you've yes. got people um, uh, whinging about the whole paper-free society and yet electricity, I don't know, I have to say out of it. Like you heard of that Al Gore? Yes. Yeah, he did a TED Talk on climate change and yeah. he was on South Park quite a fair bit too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. He was one of the... Um, the founders of the, uh, or not founders, but they're one of the people who really wanted to push the um, uh, the internet as well. Yeah. Think, wasn't he? Well, yeah. So can't have it both ways. <laughs> and was that, um, the um, way I see it, though, I think is yeah. that the problem, the biggest problem we have is that the, the level of care in society is basically at ground zero. Mm. You, most people couldn't care less and they care about their, the minute of their own little world at the moment. Um, and it's not that it's, I'm not blaming people for not caring, it's that the soci society is set up for us not to care. Of course, so Everything Elizabeth. we do is set up for um, what's not, what's going to, as Flaubert said, um, yeah. all work is about flattering people's illusions. Well, it is. We've become a, a, a society where you got to have the latest flashy car and mm. sport car, but I'm over that. I want to get close to my spirit guide and the universe. And who is your spirit guide? It's like a wolf. I see this white ah, wolf. Okay, cool. I go and visualize it, and it's just peace. I'd rather give my money to the, my meditation teachers on Insight Timer. I don't know. I feel better. Yeah, I think this. There is definitely um, there's a fine line between uh, nihilism and um, that point where you just say, right, I'm all just for me, like narcissism. There's actually a, a fine line there, 
and it's very hard to even not sink into one of those positions where it's just all about me or I don't care about anybody else. That, that's a, they're kind of subtly the same thing, but well, subtly different, I should say. And uh, it's really hard. I think what happens, um, I think what is really, for me, as an artist and a musician, is to find myself what is important and keep reviewing that and keep learning from that, feeding into it, um, expressing it, and then connecting to others. To me, that that sort of process is really important. There has to be, um, for me, some sort of message, some sort of way of conveying it authentically, some sort of um, part of me that I'm still searching, some sort of connection with other people that we have a common ground yeah, and yeah. we have a creative way to look at conflict. Um, and that's exhausting. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had experience where you may have experienced um, bouts of depression or something. Yeah. Um, I know I have, of course, so most musicians and artists have. But um, And I've sort of gone, okay, well, what can I do? Um, I'm feeling a little depressed. Um, I might just go online and check up some psychological or you know medical I... website. And every time you go there, you go, oh, my gosh, no, just more things to do. Because I go, ten things to do to alleviate yeah. depression. It's like more doing do i have to keep doing can't i just be <laughs> i know i suffer mild depression too but uh i stay away from the websites because there's a lot of crap on there yeah i used to find absolutely. going to a psychologist would just confuse me even even this, if they had you have a, to find the right one sometimes it's really hard and and they um Dr. it's very Phil. hard to find yeah <laughs> yeah um it's fine sometimes it's hard to find a a um, somebody who can help you without an agenda. Well, I'll tell you they something. They really have to be beyond the agenda issues. They don't. I they shouldn't have to tell yeah. you what to do. See, I'm someone who likes to be told, uh, uh, like have guidance. For instance, I had a psychologist was uh, putting me down for my dating profile. Oh. Yeah, because he said oh, I look too childish, and oh uh, yeah, the girls wouldn't like that. Oh dear. Uh, I, I don't have any co no comment. I can't think of why that would be like the t I, there's so much there. I can't even begin to <laughs> talk about. It. It's like why would they comment? Did you ask? Did you invite them to comment on your? Oh, of course. Oh, no, no. oh he could oh, have okay. been just bullshitting me. Yeah. So I've learned but not I, to take that personally. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. No, no but um, like dating apps too, because I'm on them. I'm just finding I'm not getting anything with them, and they're just a business. And there's uh, spamming yeah. going on on eHarmony, and they advertise on TV, say, we're going to find you somewhere. Well, I'm on it, and I just get yeah. spam. Yeah, yeah. No, you're um, probably back the wrong tree. Um, I'm from another other end of the perspective. My um, mm. husband and I just celebrated our 29th anniversary yesterday awesome. yeah <laughs> um and we um we were trying to work out how young we were when we got married it was really young i mean um just like in our 20s early 20s and um there there's i think the only real way to meet people is actually to meet them and yeah. not even set up a meeting but have a meeting that is maybe spontaneous or something. But having said that, um, when uh, when I was in, um, in America studying um, Michigan State, um, we kind of got set up as a partnership. And um, I was in an office with the teacher um, who's a wonderful, um, wonderful friend and composer and fabulous photographer, Mark Sullivan. And um, he was, we were talking about something that I had to do and blah, blah. And then he called out, the, yelled out the window to my future husband, whack it on. And he yelled out, it was really unusual. He didn't normally do that. And, and, and uh, my husband, John was like, what? And he walked in and he said, come here, come here. I need to talk to you. And all he was doing was saying, this is Elizabeth. She's a fantastic clarinetist. You might want to do some composition for her. And um, then he introduced me, and mm -hmm. and and this is John. He's a really cool composer, and 
and we just said, hi, how are you? And that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, then we started having a conversation. And I think that's, we both were very not wanting to get into a relationship. We both were tired of what had gone on. We'd had a few breakdowns and breakups and whatever you want to call them. And mm-hmm. we were just like, we were over it. And we're just like, and both of us said, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And, um, then my sister then said, oh, what about this guy you're talking to? Why don't you, you know, get together? And she sort of, again, pushed us together. <laughs> and um, although we were talking, we didn't, hadn't really got together. And um, so over a couple of weeks, we sort of talked. And then one day, um, my sister invited him to my birthday party. She gave me a surprise birthday party. Awesome. And... Um, and he walked in and somebody had come in and said, oh, look, it took me an hour to get here because I got lost and the directions weren't clear. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry, yes, because it wasn't my home. It was a different person. And they said, oh, and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I gave him a hug. And then John went, well, look, it took us an hour to get here too because we got lost. I think I should get a hug. Mm. And so I gave him a hug and he said, marry me. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> and then I said, when? <laughs> And then he and we both said at the same time, we said autumn, and he said fall. I said autumn, mm. and then a year later we were married. <laughs> wow, good on you. So, um, but it. So I think what I'm. I suppose the having told you my our um, part of that life story, um, I think the important thing is um, not to search, but to be available for opportunities and I think this looking for someone that's really hard oh god yeah that and that dating apps are doing that because they make money out of it if you have to pay then I would stay away (laughs) exactly no I'll just let you know and there are other places yeah no it's it's cool but having it said that all of that as well um my cousin went on a mission she was saying I want to I want to marry someone who's wealthy yeah. and he has this and that. And she had a list and she put herself on all the web, web dating websites. Mm. She found a man. She's thrilled with him. They have two kids. They've never lived happily ever after. I mean, and it took her a matter of maybe, I don't know, a year, two years <laughs> maybe to find the right person. And she's completely happy, you know, and so it can happen. It's perfectly possible mm. because any connection that you make with anybody can be anywhere, anytime. Um, but the yeah, the problem is the spamming. I mean, you get spam in your email anyway, like just unsolicited. So if you're on a, an app that invites people to email you or send you messages, you're inviting spam as well, you know, in a sense. So my um... yeah, and it's it's really hard. I think dating in the during the pandemic has been a really hard thing to do too. It's obviously difficult. Well, maybe I'm not suited for dating apps and that's fine. Move, yeah. I'll move on. Yeah. Who cares? There are, I mean, there are other ways. There are um, joining groups with similar interests can be mm. a way. Um, and I think, yeah, just being open to an opportunity is probably a better state of mind than to be seeking Mm. that's i'm not giving you dating advice but (laughs) i just think um from what i've noticed it seems that they are pretty scammy and uh and yeah i mean unless you're looking for some something really specific um i think there are some some dating sites that are that you pay to be very much uh, it's very vetted, you know, so you have very strict filters. But I think you pay for that a lot, you know. Spiritual so. singles was advised to me. I, I've started, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can find a specific interest in in what you're, you're on about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, no, well, good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I think as things open up more to, um, I know in... Uh, in Melbourne, they they opened back up again from the lockdown that they had recently, and then Sydney's gone waving in between. But I think Australia in general has done really well. What about Vienna? So, Are you still in a uh, lockdown? No, no, no. 
We're coming just in. starting to come out of <clears throat> fully, not God. completely full, but uh, yeah. We have 52% of the people partially, at least partially vaccinated. Um, our cases are, <clears throat> um, per day, are 200 per 100,000. Oh, that's so, a lot. Yeah, but that's gone down from oh, 1,300. Right. You know, if we get an outbreak of four, they already start putting restrictions in, in like Sydney, like yeah. got to wear a, a mask on a public yeah. transport. Those masks. Now this, are, I know it's crazy. You've got like one person and woo. Masks but, are so uncomfortable. They fall off when I'm talking. I, I'd rather just buy a P2 from the hardware yeah. store. Yeah. We, yeah, the FFP2s, they, they are pretty good. They stay on. Yeah. Um, we're actually required to wear those at work and indoors. Um, that's going to be lifted in July. These ones are just crap. No, no, no. They don't even work. No, they're just for um, getting when you're doing your you know laundry and you don't want to smell the bleach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you buy them um, no, from the two dollar shop. Yeah. No, these, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. We use these. These are the. FFP2 um, with the little the thing yeah. inside there. I've had them and too, but they them they fall off. I don't know. It could be my face is small. Yeah, you need the, <laughs> the adjustable things yeah. here. Um, but also, um, cloth masks are good too if you get the right right mm. ones. Um, I have a couple of cloth masks that, um, that and I made a few, designed a few for. Um, a, one of those online stores with some of my art on it, which is really cool. And they're really comfortable and they're, um, they have two layers so that you've got two light layers. They're very protective. If you even put a third layer of, of filter in the middle, which you can, you know, in and out remove. And, you know, I, I actually wear it, my cloth mask, just riding my bike. Because if I'm riding along a highway or you know, a busy road, I'm not getting as many fumes, I'm just, it, and I found that that has really, really helped my, if I'm coughing or I get um, skin, you know, dermatitis or something, mm. and I just find, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to not wearing a mask in public transport. It's, it makes so much sense, and we've had zero influenza and, you know, so few colds, and people are just, in general, healthy. So it must be working in that department, even if it's not working to, you know, necessarily eradicate well, COVID. You know, funny enough about this coronavirus, I was reading um, a journal book from the Great Courses Plus on infectious diseases, and this hmm. was written about three, four years ago, and they did mention coronavirus about having a yeah. spike and how it spread through the air. Yeah. So that's how it is—a pandemic. My yeah. God, and I'm like, whoa! Yeah. I like learning. No, it's, it's been a yeah, that's a cool thing, and it's and the, the virus has been around for a long time. There's also now yeah. they're investigating whether it actually did come out of the Wuhan um, research laboratory, and uh, people have to be so careful of the information that they receive because you know people. Six months ago, people were going, nah, there's no way, it's just a conspiracy. And, but it is very likely that it could have happened, you know, that it could have um, come out of the laboratory. But then on the other hand, it's also likely that it could have come out of a um, the wet market because it's disgusting, <laughs> those wet markets. Um, they are. Um, you got to understand the coronavirus just spreads it through air travel. Yeah. Very quick. But they do still grow uh, viruses in labora laboratories as well. Yeah, absolutely. They contain them. It's quite possible in the future there will be a bioterrorist attack. Yeah, well. Possible. It's, I, yeah, it's, there's no reason for us not to think that. Um, it's probably more likely than a nuclear attack. I hope because, not. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, would you rather a nuclear attack or a bio? None. But if you had to choose, oh, would you rather God. be blind or deaf? <laughs> I'd like to have a bunker underground. Yeah, that's a 1950s style, yeah. No, so that's um, 
that's the thing when you when you read stuff from your professors who are academics the great courses plus is they're all academic professors yeah you know you, you understand not reading some idiot on on wikipedia or google or DuckDuckGo. Yeah. i can write a blog post and just write crap you know yeah yeah exactly um there are a couple of uh, websites that do um fact checking of articles and the fact that we need fact checking websites and apps and programs Ugh. to check is it, i mean to me that shows the lack of care in society that we're going back to that idea that um it's just why would someone want to present a lie i mean i know why it's a rhetorical question but it's like what why what why are people full of lies and greed and selfishness and why do they want to be better than everybody else and why do they want to put other people down to better themselves what's the point like mm. the big picture is what's the point you're all going to die anyway mm. exactly. <laughs> but i think um i think that i mean that's obviously a, a in a way it's almost a childish kind of rabbit hole to go down because it doesn't help anything but I do think that there are, um, with diseases and things, I think mm. we've learnt so much from this pandemic. Um, and we've learnt also on a personal level, um, like the the last gig I went to, we, we didn't hug, no one hugged, no one shook hands. We used our eyes, we used our hands as gestures and, you know, we kind of doing this with each other and using a lot more of our body and our words um, to express something rather than just simply to hug. It's so much, so easy just to give someone a hug. It says so much. Um, and, but we don't, we don't do it right now, especially, well, it may stop, you know, gradually be reintroduced. But I don't feel, I'm actually going to be from now on, I'm going to be very cautious who I hug and kiss and shake hands with. Um, shaking hands doesn't even need to happen. Um, I think hugs are really important for communication of people that you care about um, so it can be reserved for your close friends and family and um, and everything else can be done in words and gestures and action you know if somebody needs your help um, to give them a hug and a kiss and say oh they're there maybe that's all they need but if they're a friend and they're not that close maybe they actually need help like do you need some money or do you need my time so you can talk about your problem? Um, do you need some sort of um, help that I can find a contact for you to get help with? So that's action and that's care in action as opposed to, oh, there, there, I feel for you, I'm so sorry, you know. So um, I think what we've learned in the pandemic also is when, you know, people are online and they're, they're saying things like on Facebook or Instagram or whatever um, and sharing their private life saying, oh, I had a really bad day, this, that, and this happened. And everyone just like clicks, you know, sad or sad face or I hate uh, that or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do find I am doing that sometimes and I, but I, I do it with the question mark. I always ask myself, is this the sort of point where just a hug, on the internet will be appropriate um, but you know weird. when I heard that somebody um, in Vienna we had a, um, a really beautiful um, bass player um, who was probably about his 40s um, mm. Thomas um, he died of cancer last week and it was I mean that's how I found out was through you know friends on Facebook and um, it was really sad and but I didn't feel like I could like click on you know sad or something I really had felt like I had to send a message rather than that and and even then it's sending a message through Facebook and it's and it's hard because um, sometimes that's the only way you can connect with somebody but on the other hand um, when people have sent me messages of condolence or congratulations or something um, I enjoy it, I appreciate it it, for me, it, it works if somebody 
sends me a, you know, and even if they send a little like or a little heart or a little, you know, hug, whatever, virtual hug, um, for me it works. I mm. appreciate it. Um, but it's also, it's take, I take it with the sort of a grain of salt that if it's not an action that's accompanied or, I, you know, something that's not being fulfilled as an action, then, yeah, it's no point. When it comes to, like, if I put up something that I've um, created or, um, you know, something, an event that's happening or something that I'm planning to do, um, a painting or a, a recording or something, um, and I just get bunches of likes, to me that's like I don't even care. <laughs> what I'm doing sometimes is really just saying, ah, I wonder if somebody is even actually reading this or looking at this. Um, whether they like it or not, and whether they click like or not, um, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, so I think, yeah, I think what we've, another thing we've learnt from this pandemic is that the Facebook has just got out of hand as far as a platform, and a lot of people are just going back and just weeding out everybody they don't know into, uh, personally and just using Facebook as a friendship space um, and, a, you know, just getting a little bit of information rather than kind of, you know, reaching out and reaching out like an octopus with a, you know, a billion arms. Um, so I think that's something that people have learned to um, take into, embrace in their lives, to Facebook, be a little bit more careful. I'm, I'm fed up with it. Like I'm on web talk and I'm enjoying web talk better. Mm. Facebook yeah, web talk, yeah. and Instagram, which is causing me depression. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I don't know why. <laughs> you can you can put it on uh, some settings that you don't actually have to engage with it too much. Um, yeah. My iPhone would, with my social yeah. medias only has a, uh, has a limit of 10 minutes. That's it. Ah, okay. That's you good. put it in your settings. So yeah. Yeah, that's like 10 minutes. 5, 6 p.m. at night is when I'll check it and that's it. My yeah. head, my mind feels more clear. You yeah, know. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I find that I've made, I've, I've um, made lots of new contacts and um, lots of little ideas have made connections in my mind from being on the sites. So on Instagram, particularly, um, there it's not like I'm. Uh, I'm using it as a gallery, an online gallery, an online kind of resource of zeitgeist. So what's happening right now, I find that really interesting and, and I can, I'm, what I've decided to do with it is to embrace it as the medium has been presented. So it's a quick flip through what's happening in the world from my, the perspective of my interests and I'll go, okay, yeah, go for it. So I won't I won't obsess with it or obsess on it or um, take it as like this is this is the answer or this is the main goal in life, but it's it's kind of like flipping through a magazine that I subscribe to, um, and sometimes things come up that are very very specific to me. For instance, um, there was a um, a group called Montana Mouthfuls. It's a magazine. Uh, monthly, uh, sorry, quarterly magazine, and they write. They do really good quality magazines and really good quality um, art and texts. So the art accompanies the the stories, and um, and I found this this group and I um, I submitted some of my artwork and they they put it in their latest magazine, and it it, it looks fabulous and mm. the the stories are wonderful really good quality beautiful writing the images look wonderful they just it looks absolutely beautiful and I wouldn't have discovered that if I hadn't been on uh, Facebook or Instagram you know it's a, it's a very niche little magazine a literary magazine coming out of Montana <laughs> who mm. would have thought mm. and it's such good quality it's one of the best qualities I've ever seen and my art looks in the inner looks stunning and they've done it so well. There are no typos. Everything's done the way they said it would be done. Um, it looks fabulous. Fab I haven't got an, an actual copy, but the digital copy looks absolutely fantastic on a big screen. And um, 
it's you know that sort of thing those sort of connections um, because you can focus in on your interests very specific interests um, you can actually get a lot out of it but um, yeah as far as general putting yourself out there saying hey here I am do you want to you know make give me lots of attention it doesn't really work like that so I, I use it in the spirit that it's it's offering me I'll take it and um, but there are a lot of people who have the feeling if they go and look through Facebook or Instagram um, they get that feeling of oh everyone's life is better and more active and more fun and more enjoyable more satisfying than mine and uh, that's a really hard thing to overcome except for just like don't look just just don't look at it <laughs> because it does look like everyone puts their their best foot forward um, when they post things and so it's like look at all these wonderful things that are happening to me today <laughs> mm, and it's exactly. like oh all I got today was like oh go to work come home too tired to do any more <laughs> go mm. to bed <laughs> so yeah so I think sometimes it's it's good just to kind of ignore it you know and uh, do your own thing well that's exactly right you got to have balance in your life you know um yeah yeah maybe i'm just not suited for instagram and facebook and snapchat tiktok and oh my god yeah uh, i'll stick yeah. to web talk where my audience is i've already got 300 followers already so, yeah well. that's great yeah see maybe that's they're the people that are more interested in being specific rather than just like a general flipping through of of ideas but I tried linkedin yeah. uh but if you're a ceo that you're more suited for linkedin yeah i um i don't it's funny i don't like the feel of linkedin it's a little bit um I don't know it's, it seems like it's putting on the face as if it were a professional and it's all about your career and your profession and your you know this um, but it really is just Facebook I mean it's it, it doesn't no I don't know people who've maybe in the corporate world of finance and insurance and banking and you know industry in those industries maybe there is a valuable quality about LinkedIn but from a musician's point of view I mean I've got a lot of musicians who I'm linked with um, we never connect they never reach out to me I don't reach out to them um, they never see what I've posted I never see what they've posted mm -hmm. I rarely go there and um, it's like why bother you know mm -hmm. so in some ways it's I think it's yeah it is it's very much suited to for that corporate and in fact I think it's more a matter of um, it's like everyone should do um, you know if you're in the corporate world everyone does the same thing so everyone's on LinkedIn everyone does this and people can kind of check up on people I suppose if you're not sure and you've got a job interview and somebody can they'll check your, your LinkedIn profile before they give the interview and I find that is that's terrifying really to think that people are actually going onto your website or your profile to check whether you're an adequate person to interview for a job instead of just meeting you getting to know you from that one-to-one -one personal point of view you might as well go back to the old days of communication where you had a had a bird, you write your letter, feather, yeah. put on the bird like they do in Game of Thrones, and it flies. I know, it's yeah. The whole thing of um, communication and messaging and um, response is I think it's changed over the past couple of years because of the pandemic um, and even just the the inundation of programs and things like since you've got all the different types of media platforms 
um, and you can register on every single one. You can be sent messages from everywhere, send messages out from everywhere, and we're just saturated with this communication. And every time I think, okay, this is enough, this, you can't be more saturated, there's something else that lures people in or checks people out and um, presents itself as if it's an offer, flatters your illusions, and you're sucked in again. So there's another thing, another thing. And it's like this, how much more saturation can we have? Um, I think it's, it's almost like there's a point now in society, Western society, where there is no concept of saturated media in the world anymore. So every little moment is possible to be filled up. And we still have... Um, maybe if not infinite, we have we have a plethora of possibilities of where um, advertising can go or where product placement can go. Like right behind you, you've got a shelf. You could be putting a product there to market it, to pr to promote it. I could too, you know. Um, that's that's a whole world of moving. It could be even moving. It could be an ad running constantly. Um, there's no reason why. I could have on my screen on the left-hand sa side, it could be, you know, I'm using a MacBook and um, there could be running ads for MacBook the whole time. And every time you buy a MacBook, you get these ads that just keep running. Um, you could look outside and the signs, you know, all the signs can be, there can be more signs on, there can always be more signs. There can be stickers on cars. There can be, it's just like goes on and on. Um, every piece of fruit you buy now has a you know sticker on it, um, advertising where it came from. But it's also advertising the the product. The, it's advertising the product, but also the marketing behind the product because there's a little logo, there's a little design. Somebody's designed it. Somebody's thought about how that sticker is going to look when somebody picks it up at the supermarket and says, "Ah, oh, I'll buy that mango or whatever." Um, so there's never there's never. I don't think there is any where it gets saturated um, whereas a few years ago I was thinking there has to be an end to this saturation of advertising and product um, promotion sponsoring all that sort of thing what is it with Facebook they say sponsored ad like sponsored post yeah, what paid, does a sponsor mean you know what does a sponsor paid yeah. advertising it is you're paid to boost your ad yeah. And, and so the then it's not that Facebook is sponsoring you. No. You're actually sponsoring Facebook. I've paid so, ads on Facebook as well. It's expensive. I stopped. Well, you yeah. don't get a lot of... Um, I found that I got... Um, at one point, I did, um, I did a performance and the person who was organizing it put a lot of um, sponsored ads... And it was like getting 2,000 likes. It's like, wow, that's like, and then I looked at these likes and I, I went through and I, not all 2,000, but I did a sample of, random sample of, clicked on these people and they were nothing. Like they were just like one person, a, a picture of a person with a car and maybe two posts and it was obviously a fake site. So, Did you get a lot of people come up to the gig? No, no more than I would normally have. Oh, good. Yeah. And the people that turned up were the people who the manager had spoken to in person. Yeah. The Very, old fact. Uh, nobody thought. <coughs> I, nobody said, oh, I got it from the ad on Facebook. The old fashioned way is better. That's how I market my stuff, mm. word of mouth. I know short term it's not going to be there, but long term it will benefit me in the long run because it's free. And you're contacting people who are interested. Yeah. And you're making, you're, you're showing a level of care that you can't in a, a generic ad. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, it's also the, the your time is money. So every time you spend talking to somebody, uh, while it's very valuable, that just as a communication on a human level, but also as a, um, a future possibility or opportunity um, but time is money it takes time you can't you can send a message to you know a hundred people um, or you can talk to three people 
maybe two in that same time that you've created the message and sent it, um, you might not get, you, you might spend, you know, an hour with one person and they go, oh, well, see you later, see you next decade. <laughs> and uh, so time is money as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky business. Yeah, um, see, mar marketing and sales is not, not my field. I hate it. I mean, I just send a monthly email list out and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I, good. I think that they're the sort of things that people do actually click on when they have time and then they're focused rather than just being bombarded with it. Yeah. Um, Some companies, you, even music notation companies, will just send email lists like two, three times a week. It's annoying. So I, just, yeah. I do it once a month. And short yeah. and sweet, to the point. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't got that far with my my marketing. Um, <laughs> but I've got a, on my website, I put a, um, a what's on calendar. So, and I send that sometimes to people. And if there's an update, I just send that. Um, so, yeah. And I just put that on. It's on a, like a quarterly basis. So now it's um, April through to June. Then the next one will be July through to September. Um, there's not a huge amount going on, but there's I've got a, a gig in July with um, my free improvisation trio. Um, and then got another one coming up with the my Italian music trio. Mm. Um, so they're starting to come back in these gigs, which is cool. Nice. Um, but I wanted to alert you to the Australian Cultural Fund. Do you know that one? Is that from Arts Law? Yeah, I think so. Because I subscribe to their monthly uh, uh, email list newsletter and um, the Australian Music Centre, I subscribe to them. Yeah. Well, the Australian Cultural Fund might be something I was going to let you know about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> ACF is the thing. Um, and you can put in, if you have a project, you can uh, submit it and they generate a crowdfunding kind of process for you. It looks pretty cool. I don't know whether you have to be in Australia because I was thinking of doing something with an Australian, um, doing a collaboration. Um, but I haven't got as far as looking at whether I would be eligible living in Vienna. Um, but it looks really simple the way it's set up. So just thought I'd send that out to you and all your viewers and listeners. Awesome. Um, the yeah, Australian Cultural Fund seems to be a, a decent thing. There are a lot of funds around of places to get funding. Um, Look, funding is not really hard to find. Look. Uh, New South Wales government has grants, right? Mm -hmm. They're very, very difficult to get for anyone. Mm. You know, the yeah. the recent one I did that was for 10000 10, I got knocked back for that. They only gave that to 10 people Yeah. from APRA. Yeah. So, it's, and you've done all that paperwork. It's, yeah. No, you know, that's, um, that's a commitment to... to um, writing grants and uh, submitting things, that's, um, that's a job in itself. Um, and sometimes you can get someone to do it for you. Or you say, right, I'm going to commit a certain amount of time once a month or whatever to do it. Um, sometimes I do that. I've, I've got a list of um, funds that I and um, organizations and competitions, festivals, whatever. And I just go through and check, okay, what's what's this weekend? What do I have time to do? And the uh, the proposals get easier as you do more. So once you've done one, you your information can be recycled a lot. And, uh, and at first when I was, you know, most of the time you get rejected. It's yeah. just normal. Um, and at first I was like, oh gosh, you know, and thinking, okay, well, I have to reinvent the wheel and start the whole process again. But actually, no, <coughs> one grant, if you go for one thing, um, it may not actually be suitable for what you're proposing, and it may be suitable for something else. So you can actually almost put the same grant proposal into something else with a few adjustments. 
And um, so sometimes you can, you know, you recycle and you keeping track of recycling of your concepts and your ideas is actually really good for you to hone in what it is that you're doing. Um, I found that the, the best way to write grants is to, in my mind, be very clear what I want out of the grant and um, to the best of my ability understand what they want me to, to provide and to, um, so to write it really simply and be very careful to avoid jargon yeah. and um, say be, be authentic and true and because in case you get the grant, you don't want to be having to produce a lie. Mm, <laughs> so exactly. being, being as true to yourself. Um, I found that the grants that I have, um, like this one I'm doing in, um, in October, it's, uh, I've been invited to uh, present a composition with, with sculpture, with um, large paper, acoustic sculptures I'm calling them because they're going to be used to make sounds or enhance their sounds and um, I just wrote exactly what I could have in my head imagine clearly as I could and why it's important and how it would be done just like very very clear in my head what I wanted I can see it in my mind's eye I can hear it right now and I just put that proposal in and it was successful and um, that is now something that I can say, right, if, if it does, which it will be done, um, if it's successful, then I've got that to build on for the next thing and then work bigger and bigger. So I think, yeah, the important thing is to really be true to yourself and keep pursuing that truth rather than saying, oh, well, that didn't work. I'll try this angle, try this angle. Um, just be consistently with yourself. The, the only thing that you've got is yourself so it doesn't matter how wonderful your proposal is um, if it's not you then it's going to be in the end you'll come up a cropper because you've got to produce something that's authentic or you have to produce a lie and live with it you know well at least i've got a at least i've got a bio which is pretty good i wrote my bio myself yep that's good yeah, no, trying to publish it on Wikipedia, but I don't know how to. I don't know how you publish things on Wikipedia. Ah, I hadn't even. No, I think you have to be invited, but you could submit. I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. Good idea. Exactly. <laughs> but <clears throat> there are a few people who write. <clears throat> excuse me. And there are a few people who write really well. Um, write beautifully with bio kind of material, grant material. Um, I've got a couple of people if you want me to send you links. Yeah, that'd to be these good. Writers, yeah. And um, it's it's actually a the whole art in itself to write something. But, um, yeah, those, that whole world of grants and things. I actually enjoy writing proposals and things now. I At first it was absolute dread because you feel vulnerable and then you feel the, the impatience of the waiting game and then you feel the disappointment and the cycle starts again and um, because of all the rejections but get you get a few moments where you get a success and you can build on that and then the, you use the rejections as just material that you can keep working with and honing in and focusing and creating like in fact for you for, for instance it might be worth having two bios one that's focused only on film music and then the others may be focused on something more general um, and you can you work which, which bio is going to be the best one you know but you have them already because if you have um, a single bio then sometimes you have to adapt it all the time but if you have a couple of what is true to me in this this area in, you know film composition or animated film or what is specific to me and what's important that I need to let people know about me in this particular thing, then you just have to take that bio. You don't have to rewrite anything. So you have a little suite of bios that, that suit different things. Um, 
I've had to work through this a lot and I still am working through it because I have um, the art and the music, they're often combined. It's so hard to explain that. But as soon as people see it, they go, oh yeah. And then there's at the same time, there's there are lots of other people doing this, the same, essentially the same thing of combining art and music in so yep. many different ways. It's It's kind of been going on for centuries anyway. Um, so, but sometimes I don't want to have it together, and I have, I do want to focus on the art or just for, or, or on the music, and uh, and sometimes grants are you know directed in that way only music or only art. So I have kind of three bios basically going: one that focuses on the art, one that focuses on the music, and the one that focuses on the integrative kind of multi-dimensional, multidisciplinary aspect. And then there's the uh, academic one. Yeah. teaching and that sort of yeah thing. whenever you write a grant you should do it in an academic voice like you're writing to your professor yeah exactly yeah third person and uh but you know that doesn't always it's not always the case some some grants um mm. it's nice to have that little personal touch generally that's the rule though yeah mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. And spell check spell check spell check <laughs> oh yes I, I used grammarly oh. premium for mine yeah, Grammarly's good, yeah. The problem is it it's you still gotta know how to write a punctuation. It's not quite there yet. Yeah, no, Grammarly's pretty good with punctuation, I find too. It's a bit over the top, like it it's a bit strict or something, like with commas and things, it tends to want to tell you that you've done the wrong thing. But, Just um, gotta learn to trust it. Yeah. Yeah, good. It's Grammarly's good. Um and also um, reading other people's mm. um, biographies and really reading them, not just reading the content and um, like what they've done and comparing to what you've done, but reading how they've presented it. Well, um, And the other thing is that I find really interesting is um, when I look at, because I just take everything I can. I'm a bit of a magpie, I suppose, a bowerbird. Um, if I get an ad sent thrown at me, which is like almost every day on Facebook or whatever, yeah. um, I read the wording and I, I look at how they've put the words, where they've put them visually, but also what is the message they're putting behind the words? How did they choose this way to set these words or why did they choose these words in particular? Um, how few words can I use? What can I do that might be um, present that if I want that message or how can I think about those? There are sometimes like, for instance, um, fashion magazines have brilliant writers um, and even uh, online ads for things like sunglasses. Um, anything where, you know, it might be related to light or movement or uh, culture or something, they can be, or even, you know, luxury sports goods or motor cars or holidays or something their writing is often so good they've got mm. they hire good writers because these writers are the best that's that's what they do they write and they are paid to do a good writing write-up well, it's um, the same so thing they, with you the, actually can get a lot out of that same thing with the newspapers as well mm. you know they always write a yeah. headline in a shorter period of time as well but yeah yeah. So you can find um, the, and obviously reading classic novels and things. Um, one thing I, I was just recently reading was um, going back to the to, um, George Orwell down and out in London and Paris. And um, I hadn't really appreciated the, the, the way he wrote um, about the subject of be, like the, poverty in these two cities um, until living in Vienna <laughs> and the the whole the whole stench of it and the whole pathetic and the, the supreme effort for such a tiny little thing to come through um, the humanity the lack of humanity um, just the general irksomeness um, he has just captured it so well you can smell it you can see it you can feel it and uh so yeah sometimes it's nice to revisit the the very famous writers like orwell and all those people 
um, to get a, a really intense burst of beautiful language. Um, but my go-to every, almost every month, it's on the coffee table right now, um, is Beckett. Mm. <laughs> Just every, probably every month there's something I have to, I've got the complete, um, his complete works. Well, I'm reading a book at the moment about the uh, brief history of the samurais. Ah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. love Japanese history. It's quite full on, actually. That's but like, cool. When I'm reading it, it's it's from a, it'd be an academic book, so it's you know you're highly pointing out what's the important part and get my pencil. Mm. And... Wow. Cool. Yeah. And this the samurai. It's a whole different world, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to have to leave now. Yeah, awesome show today, Elizabeth. And yeah, it was really cool, nice and chilled, and uh, lots of things covered. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Thank you to the sponsor Spreaker. Don't forget to get your free trial of Spreaker. The link is in the description. Also, you can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can follow me on Spotify as well. That would be good if you could do that. Uh, also, if you like this podcast, share it on your social media and uh, tell uh, friends, your friends and family about the show, the Stephen Shields radio show. Podcasts are out every Friday, so if you could subscribe, you get notified straight away of new podcasts. Bye. For now.